So we almost look at competitors into three buckets. Um, number one is Web2 companies. So yeah, the Yelps, the Goodreads, the G2s. Um, the only uh, problem with them is that, yeah, that authenticity layer. Um, I think that's a problem that all Web2 companies have. And it's the on-chain data is actually the solution that solves that very uh, seamlessly. So uh, we have a lot of learnings and successes that we can take from the Web2 companies but we have much more potential with that sort of authenticity layer. Welcome to W3G, the official podcast for MySynXYZ and your go-to hub to learn the latest developments in growth and marketing in the wild and wonderful world of Web3. I'm Julie Octaviano, Head of Accounts and Operations at MySynXYZ. And I'm Blake Minho Kim, co-founder of MySynXYZ. Each week, we'll talk to leaders in the Web3 space about the state of the industry, what they're building, some interesting growth hacks, and best practices around all things Web3 marketing. W3G is a place to learn and get smarter in public, not only for those of us already in the space, but for the Web2 brands that are curious on how to transition over. We're all building together in this crazy space, so tune in each week as we talk to the best and brightest and keep uncovering insights so we can all grow together in the world of Web3. Today, we'll be speaking with Matt Kim, co-founder of Smoothie, the leading and trusted platform for Web3 product reviews and discovery. Matt is a product whiz with deep experience in traditional tech and marketing. And since launching Smoothie as a newsletter in 2021, has helped countless Web3 dApps and products get to market and generate buzz. During our conversation, we talked about Smoothie's evolution as a company, the importance of leveraging on-chain data for greater trust and credibility, and key product trends he sees as we continue progressing in the bear. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's episode number 12 with Matt Kim. Welcome to the pod, uh, Matt. How you doing? Yeah, dude, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Excited for this. Yeah, awesome. Uh, really excited to have you in and dive deep. Uh, we're massive fans of Smoothie, what you've been building over the past year, and really excited to get into it. So to get things started, we always like to start learning a bit more about the guests and their origin story. So let's start there. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about yourself, your journey to Web3, and how Smoothie got started in the first place? Yeah, for sure. Uh, quick intro. So I grew up in Toronto, Canada. Um, several years ago, I decided to just quit my full-time job, uh, bought a one-way ticket to San Francisco, which I've never been to before. Um, and I said, man, let's just go figure shit out and just be in a new place. Um, so I went, lived in hostels and Airbnbs for the first little while, just applying to jobs every single day at the nearby Phil's. Um, I had already been in crypto uh, before, but more for like personal investments. Um, but during this time, I ended up getting a position at a mobile app analytics startup called Sensor Tower. Um, some of my clients there were like Coinbase, Uber, Google. Um, and then after a couple of years of that, uh, Facebook reached out and asked if I could join their team as a vertical strategy lead on the mobile gaming side. So I joined there for uh, around a year uh, before leaving to start building Smoothie. And when I started Smoothie, I started uh, distribution first. So that famous quote from Justin Kahn that says, you know, first time founders focus on product, second time founders focus on distribution. Um, I've built other products in the past. And, you know, this time I said, you know, what, let's start on the distribution side. So initially started Smoothie as a newsletter just to simply, you know, teach crypto to people. Um, and as I started building up an audience, getting to, you know, three, four, five, six K subscribers, um, and talking to all the companies and users, uh, I realized that there's an opportunity to actually build something more. So we took a concept and took a key problem that we uh, were solving, uh, raised our pre-seed round uh, last year, hired a small team, launched a product, and got some really, really good traction. So yeah, happy to go, go into the details of all that, but that's a quick intro so far. 
Amazing. Um, yes, that was actually going to be my next question to you is what is smoothie, but particularly the evolution of smoothie. How were you describing it last year versus this year? Um, obviously started off as a newsletter, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, we'd just love to hear kind of the narrative of smoothie and how it's changed and what it is today. Yeah, great question. So we started off as a product hunt for Web3. Uh, basically a great place for distribution for other companies where uh, Web3 products launch what they're building, users come and they upvote for their favorite products. Um, And as we were building this, uh, we got into contact with a ton of products, a ton of users, got some really good traction, and we realized that there's a big opportunity uh, around credibility. And what I mean by that is uh, Web3 is an interesting space where it's uh, supposed to be permissionless and trustless. But there's still so many problems around scams, rug pulls. And even without that, it's hard for people to know like what's actually considered good, what's bad. Most people aren't checking on-chain data or you know, checking doing analytics uh, before they use something. So for us, it's look, how can we create you know, more trust and credibility in this trustless system? Um, and we realized that a really good way for us to le- leverage what we've built is by creating this Web3 review protocol. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, there's going to be all these different products that are on Smoothie already. You just come and they review their favorite products. Um, it could be, hey, this product's amazing, or hey, this product actually sucks. Um, but the key problem in the Web2 space for any review platform, whether it's software, books, restaurants, anything, is authenticity. You don't know if this person has actually used you know, this product or uh, read this book. Um, and you know, fake reviews, fake content, fake news is, is a big issue. Now, the interesting thing is on-chain data just naturally solves for that. So what we're doing at Smoothie is whenever a user uh, reviews a product, uh, we can actually see based on the on-chain data that they've actually used this product. So we can see that, you know, Blake looking at his wallet address, he's actually used OpenSea smart contract and transacted on it. So we're proving that, you know, authenticity with, with uh, product reviews. Um, so yeah, still leveraging everything that we've built, but we're, uh, we're kind of repositioning the way we uh, explain ourselves as a Web3 review protocol. I love yeah, that. you guys are like Yelp for Web3 products, but yeah. the reviews are authenticated <laughs> because of the blockchain technology. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Got it. That's major, man. I'm really excited for that. And it, it's something, it's it's really awesome because I think that the thing we hear all the time, right, is why blockchain? Why is this better, right? And I think this is a very clear use case of how we can actually verify and authenticate what exactly what you're talking about. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, oh, wait, sorry. Were you going to say something? Oh, yeah, I was going to say one more interesting piece is like, you know, we're we're probably going to talk about data as a big piece of this uh, call, too. Um, But I think, yeah, when you look at like Web2 companies and even like review platforms, they have no idea, you know, who's used what product. So let's say like G2 with like software, they'll just blast, do a spray and pray method. Have you used any software in the last month? But for us, we can tell exactly which products each user has used. Um, So to be able to communicate directly and say, hey, leave a review for Uniswap uh, because you used it, Mm -hmm. um, it creates a much more seamless, personalized experience um, for acquisition as well. So yeah, it's it's a very interesting opportunity that we're building towards. So are you guys... Just going, uh, you know, just kind of diving a bit deeper on that front, right? Is it, I mean, I just see opportunities to actually work directly with pretty much every dApp out there, right? And just say, if you guys, you guys become the aggregation layer, the the de facto, I mean, it's like product hunt, but better, right? I mean, that that's really what it, it's because now you can just aggregate every single product uh, at scale, not just smaller startups. 
Um, and then you can monetize it. I guess that's another question, right? So what is the business model? How, how do you guys plan on, you know, generating revenue and growing from there? Yeah. So yeah, to add to your point, I think, yeah, a ton of opportunities with different kinds of products, NFTs, tokens, any product with a smart contract. Um, and there's actually more ways to do this, even with products without smart contracts as well. But in terms of monetization, I think there's a lot of uh, Web2 models that have been successful that we can build off of. And then in addition, layer on uh, Web3 components. Um, but basically, one very interesting model that works in Web2 is uh, more around B2B enterprise SaaS. Um, so in our case, to actually list a product, it's completely free. Um, but companies can pay for premium features like uh, better data access, uh, better page boosts, page boosts on Smoothie, uh, being able to customize your profiles with customized call to actions, video assets, etc. And those are all premium features that companies are paying for. Um, now, along with that, we can basically say, look, all the revenue that's generated from this B2B SaaS model, a portion of that can go back to users who are writing high quality reviews. Um, so that's basically going to be the flow that we're going to be building towards, which can be done both with fiat as well as USDC, which kind of opens the door to more opportunities. Um, but that B2B component is going to be big in how we build this monetization. Dude, that makes a lot of sense. So actually that, and then that kind of brings me naturally to the next question, right? So even getting to this point, uh, would love to dive deeper into actually the growth drivers just to get to the, to, to where you are now, right? So was it, was it super easy? What, what would you say were kind of the key growth drivers and growth hacks that you took just to even get here? Um, as you get towards B2B enterprise SaaS? So I think um, definitely not easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, a few things that definitely worked for us. So as I mentioned, we started distribution first. Um, and I think the beauty of that is, number one, you already have an audience that uh, you can build towards, um, but then you also get really good feedback from them. So uh, by this time, we've already had several thousand subscribers for our newsletter. So as soon as we release something, we already have people that are willing to try it. We don't have to convince you know, users to actually uh, test the product as much. So content uh, was a pretty big play for us. Um, but then initially starting something like this, it's a little bit of a, like a two-sided marketplace, right? You have the actual products that are launching on Smoothie, and then you have the actual users that are checking these products out. Um, and for us, um, it started just 100% manual outreach in the beginning. So I reached out to every single product, you know, the first 50 products, and hey, come launch on Smoothie, come launch on Smoothie. But I think what we kept in mind was the viral effects uh, of how this can continue to grow beyond just the man manual efforts. So, you know, when we had initially started with this product hunt idea, it's for every product that launches on Smoothie, they're sharing it with their network. So they're sharing it with other users as well as other products. So then, you know, as soon as that happens, we get more and more products coming to launch and they're sharing it with even more users. So we created this viral effects uh, acquisition channel where it, it continues to spread. And I think that's why we still have like this awards component, this product hunt component as a big growth driver for Smoothie, uh, because we realized that we built essentially the best go-to-market uh, strategy for the product that we're building. Now, as a, as a other part of that, we basically have this viral effects you know, method to acquire new users and products. And then once they come in, you know, the, the retention component is the actual network effects of this review protocol, right? Because for each user and each review that's written, that helps the entire network of the other products and users that are already in the ecosystem. So we have this viral effects acquisition channel, and then we have the long-term network effects uh, that retains people long-term. Got it. Got it. And so actually that's, I mean, it's really interesting, right? Because I think your platform inherently, 
um, not saying it's easy, right? It's obviously still hard. You still have to like, and it's so refreshing to hear because I think when we talk to founders all the time, especially early stage founders, you know, from a marketing DAO perspective, we're always telling people like in the beginning, you just have to hand crank that thing, right? You just have to, you have to do the hard work of the outreach and pinging hundreds of people and it's hard work, but that's what it takes. So it's refreshing to hear that that's how you got there. And actually, and it makes so much sense, right? Like there's already a natural uh, virality that, that comes with the platform like yours. Um, yeah. With that in mind. I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Actually, to that, add to that point, I think like YC has that quote of, you know, do this things that don't scale at first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was a really good reminder for us of like, number one, like better understanding all of your users and customers as you do the things that don't scale because they're talking to them right away. But at the same time, like, there's always some aspect of like resource constraint. Um, and for us, it's how can we build like the smallest version of this, you know, without any engineering efforts to actually test, Hey, does this actually work? And I think, you know, reaching out people directly as opposed to building things that, you know, automatically reach out and stuff helps that. Um, so really cutting down the scope to the smallest version and then building on top of that. That's so refreshing here. I love that. And actually, so the thing I wanted, I, the, the, I just had this thought come in while you were talking about this was, so that's awesome that it worked. But then the question is, I'm sure you did a lot of things that didn't work. So what were some of the biggest um, like failures, I guess, or maybe not even failures, but learnings of things that you did try where you thought maybe this could work, but it didn't. And that's fine. And then, you know, we all learn and iterate and figure it out from there. But would love to hear a bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's always uh, features and, you know, aspects that don't work. Like sometimes we'd have like a button that like is like much bigger on the platform to get people to like try to click on it. You know, we just don't get enough traction and we thought it would boost engagement by like, you know, let's say three to five X, you know, did not get to that point. Okay. Scratch. I removed that button. Um, I think one interesting, more concrete example is one of the ideas that we had was as products launch, we want to, you know, further improve engagement. So we said, Hey, how about we enable uh, all these companies to um, post uh, product updates? So let's say mass and release this new feature, you know, let's show that on smoothie and almost create the speed of like product updates. Um, but that just did not get as much engagement as we expected. Um, so that was one of those things where it's like, Hey, let's quickly test this. Let's create the smallest version of this. We don't have to create the entire feed or anything, but let's just create a little box that shows, you know, interesting updates from founders. We don't even have to create anything where people input anything. We'll just collect that manually and just put that in ourselves. And we're like, Hey, the engagement is actually like not there. So it was a good test. Let's, uh, scrap, uh, let's pause on that and actually start building some of these other, other features. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of those. Um, I think the key thing is just speed and iterating as fast as possible. Makes sense. Yeah. I think that ties into like what I was going to say too, is at Myosin, we often think about Web3 growth as like three pillars revolving around the intersection of community, content, partnership. So was curious how you guys think about um, about that. Like at Smoothie, how do you guys leverage each of these um, in your growth journey? And then like which one of these is most effective or have you found thus far is most effective? Um, and again, yeah, just any lessons or learnings around that. Yeah, good question. So I guess going into the three, I think the content one for Smoothie is quite, uh, it's more obvious uh, being the newsletter. Uh, and we still have that ongoing today. Just um, in real quick. You guys have great content. I will say like the <laughs> infographs and the newsletters, I'm always like, I'm trying to share that out because it's like, <laughs> you guys make it so visually appealing and so simple. So big kudos to you guys on that. So Putting uh, it in the yeah, show notes as well. Check show notes. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> perfect perfect we'll let the team know uh love yeah. the love the positive words um 
yeah, the uh, newsletter we still have ongoing and is a big uh, engagement uh, method uh, with our users. Um, I think the other piece when it comes to community, there's almost like two aspects to this for us. Like number one is engaging with other communities. So we're always talking to the folks at Safari, uh, even like CoinList, CyberConnect, uh, Masin, of course, uh, OrangeDAO, uh, as well as other VCs to continue to help their founders uh, and users of their products. Um, so continuing to work with those communities. But the other aspect is uh, our own community. And I think we took a slightly different approach of um, not building uh, anything on Discord. Uh, and we're going to be building more features within Smoothie. So right now, we mainly focus on the features around reviews and uh, the product information. Uh, but we're going to be building more features surrounding actual communities. So you can almost imagine like if someone writes a really good review, then can that get more visibility? Can people start responding to that and almost have like a community based on the reviews uh, and thoughts that people write on? Um, so we're going to be building more features around that soon. Um, and then lastly, I think partnerships has been a big driver for us. Uh, you know, even for like newsletters, we partner with a lot of other newsletters to show them as well as they show us. Uh, but then also, uh, long term, we're going to be partnering more with other companies. Um, I think a prime example uh, would be, let's say, MetaMask. They can integrate with Smoothie so that whenever any user, uh, you know, connects to any site, it'll show Smoothie's rating for that product as well as, let's say, the best and worst review. Um, and that makes it so that it's just, significantly expands our reach, even if a user never comes to Smoothie site. Um, so those sorts of partnerships we're continuously fostering. And I think by nature of Smoothie, we've been working with a ton of Web3 products, both you know early stage and late stage. So continuing to foster that as we build out more of this B2B partnership component. That's really exciting. And it makes so much sense, right? Um, like, I mean, just kind of going back, right? Like I'm, I'm still processing, but it, it makes so much sense. Is like you guys become the authentication layer, um, but actually, that kind of leads me to another question, which is like, how do you think about competition, right? Because I, it's it's a funny thing where I guess the Web two analogy is like there's Trustpilot, and then there's like other there 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 are all these different like um, authentication sites, and this is kind of takes us into data too, right? Like DIDs, and you know, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. Is like how do DIDs play into or compete or complementary to what you're doing? Uh, decentralized identities for listeners who may not be aware. Um, how do those things all tie together? Do you view them as competition complementary? And, and what's the landscape, right? Are you guys, because to be honest, from my perspective, I think you're the only platform I can think of that's doing it in this way, but maybe I'm just missing a couple others. So yeah, we'd love to hear. Yeah, that's a good question. So we almost look at competitors into three buckets. Um, number one is web two companies. So yeah, the Yelps, the Goodreads, the G2s. Um, the only uh, problem with them is that, yeah, that authenticity layer. Um, and I think that's a problem that all Web2 companies have. And it's the on-chain data is actually the solution that solves that very uh, seamlessly. So uh, we have a lot of learnings and successes that we can take from the Web2 companies, but we have much more potential with that sort of authenticity layer. Um, and then there are the... Um, Almost like, let's call it professional reviews uh, category, which is the second category. And that could be companies like, um, I think DAP Review used to do stuff like this. Um, I think Masari would be considered in this category where they have uh, much more professional, in-depth reviews, uh, uh, usually paid, um, that they do for specific companies. Um, I think this uh, does a really good job of going in-depth. Uh, the only two problems with this is that it can sometimes be biased because now it's just one entity writing. Um, and, and at the same time, it's not really scalable. Because the more reviews and companies you write, the cost also goes up um, because it's just one entity writing about these. 
Um, and then the third uh, set of companies um, or third set of competitors is just newcomers. Um, I think right now we are, you know, the leaders in building this. Um, I believe there's maybe like one or two other companies that are now starting to build something like this, but they're still pre-product. I think they're also pre-fundraise. Um, so they're very, very early. Um, but yeah, I'd say those are the three key buckets. You also mentioned uh, DID, so any sort of decentralized uh, identification companies. Um, we view them more of as a like, complementary. Um, as you build more and more of like reputation in this space, uh, we want to be able to yeah uh, connect with these companies, provide our infrastructure so that they can you know further build and, and make any of their models uh, better. Uh, but I think they're going to be more of like partners as we build this out. Yeah, I, I would love to dive a bit deeper in it and just kind of like play that out, right? Because I'm curious about, I mean, it's such an early space, right? Like I think even for ourselves, like at Mice and what we're thinking about is we're building off-chain reputation for all of our members. Eventually, we want to move that on-chain. We're talking a lot mm. of different vendors. I don't think we've found quite the right one yet, but I'm sure that will happen eventually. But I mean, let's just play that out, right? Like let's say um, our members have on-chain identities, right? How does that tie into and how would that complement I like to just kind of like put these out into the world and see what see what happens, right? Like how how could that work? There's no right answer. Uh, I'm just curious. Yeah. You mean in general or pertaining to smoothie? In, in relation to smoothie, right? Because I think it's always um, obviously like that's why you're here. But I think it's it's such an interesting thing with the ideas because it's so new, and I think we're also starting to see so many different like verticalizations, right? Like for us as Myosin, like we're marketers, but other people will build DIDs for product developers or mm, I don't know, there's, there's all types, right? So, and no one's really yeah. cracked that code yet, I think. Yeah, I think a very interesting way that um, this can expand from like a smoothie landscape is, for example, like once we have more uh, around identification and uh, reputation for users, we can essentially say, look, if someone from you know, myosin, uh, they've, they've been in myosin for a while. They're considered like a marketing expert. If they're evaluating or reviewing like a marketing tool, that should actually be considered higher weight than someone else that just joined for the first time and is writing something. Or if someone's a, a VC, or if someone has been a developer for a while, um, then we can sort of take that data uh, and, and, and use it uh, and when we create this sort of reputation. And then the other interesting thing is like, as they're becoming the expert and continue to share their thoughts within Smoothie, that again continues to add on, you know, more reputation on their end, which can probably like funnel back in, into you guys. And again, this is mainly possible because we have access to on-chain data and we can see how they're interacting with in different places, as opposed to if it's just email and we only see how they interact with us, it, it's very hard to tell. And that, that actually, and I don't want to dominate, so Julie, feel free to step in here, right? But uh, on the data front, and this is something we've been thinking about a lot over the past couple months, I think, is off-chain versus on-chain data, ZK proofs and all that, right? So I love the concept, I love the idea, but uh, of like being able to verify with on-chain data and plug it all in. I am curious how you're thinking about, because I guess from our end, what we've been thinking a lot about is the reality that not everything needs to be on-chain, not everything mm. should be on-chain, right? Like eventually we're going to, in a perfect world, if we're building this future we want to build, we will be our health data, our financial data. A lot of these things will eventually theoretically could be on chain, but they shouldn't be right. Cause I don't want every single person. The fact that right now, if someone just knows which wallet address I hold, they can see my entire financial history um, is a little bit concerning. So I think that is where things like CK proofs come in. Um, mm. 
but curious how you see that fitting in. I, I actually think in, in my mind, I actually can see how it could work together, but we'd love to kind of get your take on that um, as the industry continues to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, there's a couple, I guess one key trend uh, on this uh, is that I think that we're going to move into a space where um, a lot of the on-chain data aspects or the on-chain aspects are going to be yeah moved behind the scenes. So, you know, most users are not even going to know with, you know, how they're interacting, if there even is an on-chain component or not. Uh, and to your point, like some products will have this on-chain component, whereas other, you know, uh, products may not. Um, I think one that easily makes sense is, let's say, like real estate um, to see uh, exactly, yeah, how has, uh, you know, the history of, of, uh, of this home and how uh, it's been impacted, any changes that they've made to it, um, uh, you can kind of just see all of that publicly, um, as opposed to yeah, everything's just siloed and you don't actually know what happened to any sort of like any sort of like home. Um, but as more and more data becomes on chain, um, I think that actually opens a door more for you know products like Smoothie, where we can leverage on chain data to be like, hey, did this person actually own this you know asset? Or um, if someone's you know writing a piece of content, say, hey, are they actually uh, an expert or uh, viable to be actually uh, be writing this? Um, I think ZK Proof uh, opens a door so that such that a lot of this data becomes more anonymized, um, and um, yeah, there's less fear in in all this data becoming uh, more public. Um, but I think yeah, there's still a lot of opportunity with more and more industries using on-chain data uh, again in like the background, um, and then yeah, companies like Smoothie being able to leverage that data to provide more value. Well, I guess building on that, right? When we talk about other industries, right, and, and the future of Smoothie. Um, what do you see? I mean, obviously I think products are, are a great place to be. It's a great place to grow. I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity there. Um, but I guess the bigger question then is, are you guys going to continue focusing on purely product or as we're talking about with other industries where on-chain becomes more and more relevant, do you see opportunities to expand into other types of reviews and authenticity and verification yeah. So without giving too much away, um, I think there's two really big areas uh, that can we, we can work towards. So I think number one is, let's call it going more web two. As more and more companies adopt on-chain data, how can we provide better in infrastructure uh, to support those companies? The second path is, let's say, more reputation. So right now, specifically, we're building reputation for products, right? It's like that user-to-product relationship. But can we do anything more around, like, let's say now peer-to-peer or product-to-product? Uh, -product? Um, so we have a ton uh, that we're considering for this. Uh, but again, that's like the high-level view. Um, but th th those are essentially like two key paths uh, that we can uh, further scale this into um, as we grow. Yeah, that actually, that was going to... It's similar to what I actually was going to ask, which is going back to that pillars question that we were discussing and specifically the partnerships pillar. I was just thinking through it and I'm like, is there a world, obviously you can not making you give too much away, but um, just thinking through the fact that currently I think you are a little bit limited to web three users and web three native users just because of the, you know, how your product or how your, you know, this whole smoothie is set up to be right. But is there a world or um, a use case for tapping into the grander uh, or the greater web two market and what that looks like? And then I started thinking, well, what is, what does top of funnel awareness look like to you guys? Again, like, is it still in the sandbox of web three? So it's like newer web three users um, before you can expand to 
awareness being web two, web two, web three curious or web two, I don't know, companies going into web three. And I was thinking, yeah, I was just thinking around partnerships. Like how are you guys envisioning that evolving as you are considering building that awareness um, for more web two audiences or organizations that are obviously starting to toy with web three? You know, do you consider communities that are more social communities um, that do have kind of those web three, not non web three native kind of like newer people. Like for instance, my first stop was boys club pool suite, obviously just did a collaboration with Ralph Lauren. So I think like there's all these like really cool social communities that are bridging that. And I wonder if you guys ever consider like collaborating either with those or directly with the web to traditional brands in some sort of way to kind of build up that audience a little bit more. Yeah. So good question. Um, I think for us, it's really uh, important to start uh, with that niche. Um, I think it's, I think um, that concept of like starting with a wedge and then expanding afterwards. Um, and I think for us, it is web three. In fact, we could probably go a little bit more niche. Um, but basically like, as we focus on the web three side, we, we want to make sure about look. NFTs. So yeah. Yeah, most, most on-chain, exactly. So I think even within Web3, there's a ton of different categories, a ton of products still um, that we can be adding that value for. Um, and right now we have a lot of users that are you know, both B2C, both B2B that are all interested. Um, typically the categories uh, of products that have done really well on Smoothie are yeah, NFTs, DeFi, uh, gaming, and any sort of tooling. Um, so continuing to add value to those companies. Um, and then naturally, I think as you know, the market continues to adopt more on-chain data, and once you feel like we are at a good position within you know, Web3, we can then consider expanding into some of those more Web2 partnerships uh, as well. Um, but yeah, right now for us, it's, yeah, let's say laser-focused um, and, and building Web3 first. Makes sense. Next question, actually. So we'll love to kind of move on and and zoom out a bit, right? Because I think we've we've gone pretty deep down the rabbit hole. We'd love to kind of take a step back. And I think as someone who, I mean, it's really cool, right? I think with what you're doing at Smoothie, you you guys have the opportunity to see, number one, what are the coolest products? What are the things that are coming out? What's really exciting? Um, So as someone who kind of has your finger on the pulse, I would love to know, are you seeing any interesting trends or through lines, particularly in the bear market, where I think, you know, we're seeing NFT liquidity and volumes kind of dry up or at least go down uh, for the masses anyways. You know, the guys, anyways, side point. Uh, DeFi is struggling. The whole industry is kind of transforming a little bit. So when we're talking Web3 Native, number one, I think, what is there anything interesting you're seeing that is noteworthy? Um, I think the benefit of the bear market is that you know, we're left with a lot of the passionate builders in the space and the focus is less about money, right? It's less about what's the price of this NFT, what's the price of this token. Now within the builders, I'd say I've definitely seen less around, you know, building specifically for NFTs. Um, I think that's just the nature of NFT volume decreasing. You're going to see a little bit less builders in that. I will say the products where I see a lot of builders in are uh, anything ZK related. Uh, I think we see a good amount. Um, I see a lot of like data analytics tools and I, we'll, we'll definitely see like the winners of data analytics come up. Um, and right now I'd still say it's early such that there's no winner yet, but there's a lot of people building for like wallet analytics or just like on-chain data or you know data specifically within gaming. Like there's a lot of people building within data. 
there's also a lot of people building within um, like wallet and wallet infrastructure. Um, I think one key thing is that, you know, wallets are actually very hard to interact with. Most regular users, like my mom, you know, she's not going to learn how to get a seed phrase and everything. So it's like, how can we make that process a lot simpler? Probably behind the scenes, there's a lot of like social logins, a lot of NPC uh, wallet players that are building in the space. Um, I think we've seen a couple companies like Magic, Link, and, you know, Web3 Auth, you know, become leaders, but I think it's still flexible. And I've seen some pretty good other products as well that, you know, that, that still might change. And then the other interesting trend that I've seen more and more companies talk about is around consumer. So I think the past couple of cycles, there have been a lot of things around infrastructure, whether it's L1s, L2s, you know, payment, right. security, all this infrastructure. Um, I think even all the infrastructure companies are like, where are the consumer companies? <laughs> because, um, yeah, they, I think everyone's thinking like, hey, what are, what are going to be the next tools that, you know, bring the next wave of users uh, into the system? And it's not just companies supporting other companies uh, in this space. Um, so two key trends within consumer uh, that I am seeing are around like social and gaming. Uh, I think that's what a lot of people are talking about as kind of like the next drivers uh, within consumer. Um, but those are some of the things that uh, I'm seeing in the space. I love it. I love it. And so, yeah, and, and I, I actually agree with that, right? Because I think that's something we see every day and, and we're, we, we have that thesis as well, right? Because I think it's funny, you talk to investors, I think everyone's like, oh yeah, we love to invest in Web3 Infra. And I think I've said this probably, I think I've definitely said this before on the pod, and, but I'll say it again and I'll say it every other day, which is it is really early. There may be 15 million active wallets, I think, was what Andreessen just put out in their state of crypto. Uh, report that just came out, um, which I, I did the math. It feels like 0.3% of the world's population is actively using Web3, if that. That's like a generous take. And so totally on the same page is maybe we need pe- less people just shilling each other and more people kind of building fun products that are bringing on the mainstream um, and, you know, kind of abstracting all that stuff away. And I, th- I think we all know it. I think it's just like people have to do the hard work and, Everyone wants to be the guy that provides the picks and shovels, but nobody wants to be the actual, you know, the people doing the mining and the, and the panhandling. So um, it's something we're thinking about. And actually, <laughs> at some point, we should talk about it as well, because uh, I think there's yeah. a lot of opportunities there. Um, yeah. And that's that, that's really what marketing is, right? Is how do you, you know, convince people and, and excite people and connect them with the experiences that bring them joy and bring them, you know, positive experiences. Um, yeah, cool. I, I do think uh, yeah. the whole picks and shovels concept have been uh, particularly glorified over like the past several years. All these API companies, you know, there is success in them, but it just feels like there's like too much of them now. Yeah, same thing with L1s, right? Like, how many more L1 blockchains do we really need? It's, I mean, it feels to me like the the winners are starting to become pretty clear. Um, you know, won't name any names, but it's pre- I think it's fairly obvious to anyone who's looking around. Um, but we'll see. Right. We'll see. So actually building on that, I would love to, you know, as a marketing podcast, right. We'll love to get your take and, you know, fellow Safari members, right. I would love to get your take on the future web three marketing and tools, right. Cause I think what we're now starting to see is a lot of different web three CRMs pop up. We're starting to see ad networks come together. We're starting to see attribution, like you said, attribution analytics, We'd love to just get your take on on the state of all that. Is it too early? Are we in the right place? Are we focusing on the right areas? Um, are we building for the wrong people? I don't know. So we'd just love to get your hot take on that as well. I think for the marketing aspect in Web3, there's 
I break it off into like two sections. So the first section is going to be around, let's say data. Yeah. So yeah, the first section is going to be around data. Um, and I think in, so I used to work in the mobile app industry and uh, in mobile, there were a ton of different data aspects. And like the way that you do attribution is different. The way that you work with iOS and Android is very, very different. You know, cookies is, is different. So there's there were a lot of different data components that existed in mobile that did not exist in desktop. Um, and I think it took a while to really understand that and uh, use that uh, correctly uh, to be able to optimize for it. I think we're in that state where we have a lot of this on-chain data and, you know, people are still experimenting with what is the best way to do it. Uh, can I categorize people a certain way? You know, um, how does attribution actually work uh, in, in, with on-chain data? So I think we're getting to a better point where we're understanding that and knowing how to leverage it. Um, so I think that part is getting better. And that's why I said there's a lot of like data analytics companies now, because as those companies get better, then the way you, you, we use this data becomes a lot easier as well. The second piece to it is, uh, I'll call it communication. So uh, again, with, let's say, uh, mobile, uh, we needed some of these other networks or like successful like consumer apps like Facebook to be, uh, actually be able to reach out to a lot of these users. Um, in Web3, uh, there was a lot of wallet addresses and the companies had no idea how to like reach out to them. And like even a lot of these NFT products, uh, NFT projects, they would have, you know, let's say 5,000 users, they'd have them all in a Discord, but they'd have no way to actually reach out to them individually. Um, they would just have to post and like hope, hope that people would you know see this post. Um, I think right now we're getting a lot better infrastructure. Like I know there's a lot of like messaging apps that are being built. Um, I think even for Smoothie, like we've always been collecting email as well as contact information so we can reach out to you know users directly. But we're now connecting a lot of like wallet addresses to a method of communication. So it's almost like once you get better at understanding and using data, and once you get better at reaching out and communicating to these users, uh, Web3 marketing will get a lot better. Um, and I think for the past couple of years, it was still preliminary. And as these things get better, I know that you know before people were like, hey, like Web3 advertising doesn't work. There's no such thing as Web3 advertising. I think that was a little premature. Um, I think Web3 advertising is just going to be very different than what you know mobile and you know Web2 advertising typically look like. So I think there's going to be a lot happening. And with those two pillars uh, continuing to improve, um, yeah, Web3 marketing will continue to improve too. I like it. I like it. It's all coming, man. It's all coming. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll, we'll keep jamming on that uh, in the weeks to come because we're, we're building out some fun stuff. So coming soon. Excited to hear. Um, cool. Well, just being cognizant of time, I know we only have a few minutes left, so I think this is actually the perfect time to get into our rapid fire questions. So Matt, just a quick descriptor. It's as it sounds, we ask a question, answer the first thing that comes to mind and yeah, pretty much it. So, um, with that being said, I'll start off with the first one. What is a web three project, not including smoothie or anything you're currently working on, um, that you're most bullish on? Uh, I'll say HypeLab, uh, which is a Web3 app network. I'm sure you guys know them too, but yeah, Joe, really, really good guy. Really bullish on that project. We love Joe. Nice. We're talking to him right now. <laughs> I literally had lunch with him two weeks ago in San Fran. Um, yeah, super go. awesome. Um, Great guy. Cool. Super smart. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then this is the fun one that I love. What is the biggest professional learning from 2022? Or just whatever within the last like year doesn't have to well, necessarily yeah. be twenty twenty two. It's yeah. yeah. I'd say it's two things. Uh, number one, it's move the needle and stay very very simple. 
Um, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of people that will go into the details of how about we optimize this, optimize this. It's look, let's scratch all that out. What is that, that key thing that's going to move the needle and really focus on that. And then the second piece is how to think about ideas. There's this really good book called Alchemy. Uh, and it basically talks about how the illogical ways that ideas actually become successful. And most people think that the way you think of an idea is very logic based. Um, and yes, there are moments where that works as well, but sometimes things that go against logic actually succeed really well. Um, so that's one uh, way of thinking that I've been thinking about a lot. Ooh. Do you have yeah, an example? Of that? I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the book talks about a very interesting one. Um, I, I have multiple, but one of my favorite ones was talking about how, uh, when Coca-Cola was really, really big, uh, there were several competitors trying to think of how to beat Coca-Cola, come up with the next beverage that beats Coca-Cola. And most people would think, all right, let's make something cheaper or, you know, taste better or, you know, make bigger, bigger quantities or something. Um, but one company came and said, look, how about we create something that's smaller, uh, that's actually more expensive and tastes like shit. Like every user interview they did with this drink, people were like, this tastes really bad. Um, so it's very contrary to what you think would work, but they ended up launching it and it became a multi-billion dollar company. And that company is now Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Wow. I like that. Yeah, Damn. so it gives a ton of examples uh, of things like that. You know, most people say start with a problem. I start with a user, but you know, there's a bunch of ideas that didn't go that path. So there's a lot of good examples in that book. I love that. I love that. Uh, we got to put that one in the show notes. Uh, slash, I'm going <laughs> to buy that tonight. Um, Dude, do it. <laughs> for the record, I don't like Red Bull, so it didn't work on me. <laughs> wow, well, I think people are surprised at how much people loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, their stock price would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm the outlier. Um, like, you want to be the last two? Yeah, 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 I'll take the last two. So this one's a fun one. So million dollars airdropped into your personal bank account, or your wallet tomorrow. Uh, you can't work on smoothie, you know. It is what it is. Where are you going to go build in Web3 today? I would explore AI plus Web3. Um, I think the big piece uh, around Web3 is making things more permissionless. And I think AI actually has the potential to do that. Um, so yeah, building something around that would be interesting. And what's interesting too is I think, you know, it's still pretty early. And I know everyone's starting to have these conversations like AI, blockchain, they're connected, but they're not. They're, you know, but I think with anything, right? AI is going to create a world where it's hard to tell what's real or not. And what better, better solution to create authenticity and verification than a blockchain or products built on top of it. So <laughs> Dude, that's literally one of our narratives for smoothies. So <laughs> yeah. And go. give attribution to, you know, like Drake or the weekend, if you're going to use their voice, give them some royalties. <laughs> so yeah, it's all coming. Exactly. All coming. Exactly. And it's interesting. Cause like, I remember a lot of people once like, the AI boom was happening even like a few months ago with like amongst investors and startups, the way that people were thinking about it was like AI versus web three, you know, you're picking one or the other, but now it, it shifted. So that's like, look, like both can coexist. They're probably going to help each other out. Um, so I think that is going to continue to change too. It's a, it's a fun time, man. It's a fun time. Um, <laughs> and we'll see what happens, but actually that actually perfectly segues into the last one here, which is, um, by end of year, 2023, craziest predictions. It could be anything. It could be markets. It could be products. It could be developments in the industry, regulation, whatever it is. Yeah. What's the craziest thing that you think might happen? 
I think uh, we're going to see a lot of really major Web2 companies uh, implement Web3 components. Um, and I think one of the examples was when uh, Microsoft Edge uh, announced that they're going to be introducing wallets uh, directly into their browser. Um, and you can almost imagine that, yeah, people can have wallets with Microsoft Edge without even knowing. And, you know, all that, you know, on-chain data component is just happening in the background. I think we're going to see a lot more Web2 companies implement that uh, in, in the coming, you know, few months, uh, maybe by end of year. So really looking forward to seeing that get implemented. I love it. I, I didn't... Oh, I'm sorry, sure. <laughs> oh, I was just... I'm just brainstorming here. So I don't know if this is like... But I'm like thinking like going back to partnerships and how it's like you guys are laser focused on what... Laser focused on Web3... Um, before and perfecting that before going into Web two, but like, I wonder if there's some cool partnerships that you guys can strike up with the agencies, companies, the DAOs that are making that transition, so that you guys are the you know the the go to product um, of choice, you know, for those companies who who are shifting over and who are essentially yeah having having users have wallets and, and utilize blockchain technology in the background without them knowing it. But then that's like where you guys come in. I'm just trying to think of ways where there's some sort of collaboration between, you know, the people who are bringing web two into web three and then having you guys kind of be like the, the first uh, stop, one of the first stops for that. Yeah. We actually work with a lot of um, yeah agencies, consultants uh, in the space where as they work with all these companies, both web three as well as web two entering web three, they actually just launched them on Smoothie uh, on their behalf. So we have this you know, consistent flow of all these products that are launching. So yeah, excited to work further with Myasin on that as well. Um, but you're totally right in that it makes it much easier for one, the companies to launch, but also for users to better understand uh, these products. So yeah, that sort of partnership is definitely you know we're, we're looking to expand as well. We'll talk about it soon. <laughs> Ultimate distribution yeah. do point it. with verified users. Yeah, big deal. Um, all right. There you go. And then this is the last bit. So, I mean, we're done with questions. We're done with the interview. So, actually, the way we like to always end it is give yourself an opportunity to show yourself, Matt, Smoothie. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more? And Yeah. Uh, check out Smoothie. It's smoothie.so. Um, and you can check out the site there. And then follow me on Twitter, uh, which is at uh, with Matt Kim. Uh, my DMs are open. Feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to connect. All right. Amazing. And I'll include everything on the show notes as well. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Matt. It was so nice meeting you. So awesome, like hearing all about Smoothie and what you guys are doing and all your learnings and where you guys are heading. Super, super awesome and exciting stuff. Yeah, it was great uh, talking to you guys as well. Thanks so much for having me. All right. This was great, man. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk <laughs> to you soon, you. man. We'll follow up and uh, we'll continue the conversation. So Sounds yeah. good. Let's do it. All right. Thanks so much. And uh, talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of W3G. If you'd like to learn more about Web3 marketing, please visit myson.xyz to get started. And of course, if you're a fan of the show, please be sure to show us your support by subscribing and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to tune in. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.